Welcome to episode 21 of Owen the Saints. I'm Patrick Serlis. With me once again is Jack. Jack, how are you doing? Very well, thank you, Patrick. How are you? Yep, very good, thank you. Just uh, finished a few days of consuming lots of Champions League content, which was very enjoyable, particularly last night's game. Um, City Leon, did you watch that? I did, yeah, that was that was good to watch, wasn't it? Just pep, pep on his knees. <laughs> There's been some crazy, crazy games in Champions League over the last few years. Um, and lots of them involving English teams, uh, it seems, and Barcelona. Um, but mm. yeah, yesterday's was just that sterling miss. I mean, oh, I know. Oh I was, God. I was looking forward. I was looking forward to seeing a City Bayern semi-final. But so was I. I, I yeah. Um, I mean, Leon, you got to take your hat off to them. They looked really, really good, didn't they? Just really exciting team. And that, well, I'll butcher his name, but Huar, or yeah. Vals in his name, but he looks unbelievable in midfield. Yep. Yeah, right. Well, we will crack on with Saints content this week. So we will chat uh, some transfer news uh, in the week just gone. Um, I'm sure you'll all have seen, but we've signed uh, Kyle Walker-Peters permanently from Tottenham and Mohamed Salasu from Real Valladolid. So we'll just recap those two transfers and obviously Pierre-Emil Hoiberg moving to Tottenham. Um, before moving on to uh, another transfer story um, that you, you might have missed involving the academy, um, we'll talk a little bit about Hoiberg and his Saints legacy, um, where he leaves us uh, in terms of um, what we think about him as a player um, and as a person. And then there's a transfer story involving Michael Obafemi that we'll touch on. Um, and then other, other bits and bobs before rounding out with um, the story that broke this morning about LD Sports' um, sponsorship of Southampton and it potentially being terminated early so lots to cover jack um before we do i just wanted to say if you can follow us on social media that would be amazing we're at owt saints pod on twitter instagram and facebook um now that's out of the way let, let's dive straight in we'll go we'll go with salasu first we spoke to marty um a real valladolid uh, expert and and journalist uh, on last week's episode episode 20 um and he got us both very excited about watching salasu in a saint shirt i think that's fair to say isn't it Definitely, yeah. Everything that he said was was promising. He was talking about how composed he is, good on the ball. He's a commanding defender. He's a quick learner, again, which is important. He's going to be coming into a new league and he's going to be playing with obviously different teammates. But I think everything that he was saying just bodes well. Sounds like he performs very well as part of the organised defence. And I think that's what Ralph is going to try to create with Southampton. He's going to try and make us a lot more solid at the back because that's definitely a weak spot for us. But yeah, I mean, the Dermot Corrigan, who's the Spanish football writer for The Athletic, named him as one of the division's rising stars back in, back in spring. So I think there's a lot of clubs were looking at him. You know, there was a lot of Champions League clubs looking at him. And it's just one of those signings for me where it's just it's exciting. I think other clubs in the Premier League have different ways of approaching transfers. But I think we're going back to what we do best, which is signing players that have a lot of potential and, mm. you know, they might not stay at Southampton for their whole career, but they'll certainly have a good few seasons. And I think, I don't know, I think it's just, it's exciting. You look at, for example, Brighton, who knows, it might work out for them, but signing a 32-year-old Alana and a late 20 player from 
Ajax. It's just a different way of going about it. And I'm excited to see Southampton signing Walker Peters and Salisy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, on on the um, on us having a, a, a rich history of developing young players, that's what Salisy said in his quotes. Um, mm. And it's great to see that we have that reputation and that is helping us land these players that are kind of touted as being some of the best around Europe. Um, I think it's definitely a factor. Um, anything in the fact that you signed a four-year deal rather than, I mean, we usually like to sign people to five-year deals. I was thinking potentially that's that's on Salasu's side, thinking that if he has a couple of good seasons in, in the Premier League, um, he's being ambitious and wants to move on. Do you think there's anything in that? Could be, could be on Salisu's side, but I'm not against that. I think sometimes five-year deals can be too long and players might you know, not turn out to be the player that they, they were touted to be and that you've ended up gotten them on a five-year deal to 2025. So I think four, year, four years is more than enough. That's true. We've been burned um, a couple of times in the last few seasons on that. <laughs> um, I've got my opinion on this and I thought it was interesting that Ralph uh, said uh, when he was announcing um, Salisu that uh, someone with a great amount of potential, but also uh, someone with qualities to come in uh, and help the team as soon as he is up to speed with our way of playing. Now, there's been quite a lot of debate about Stevens, Bednarak and where Salasu fits in. Will he be coming straight into the starting lineup, or will he be eased into the team? I think Ralph's answered it there. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I don't think he's going to go straight into the starting eleven. He's obviously a left-footed centre-back, so he'll suit that that left-hand side, which is normally taken by Bednarak and Jack Stevens usually plays on the right. So we'll, we'll, we'll see if he takes Bednarak's spot or whether Bednarak eventually moves, moves over. But um, I think definitely for the first few games of the season, I think it will be a, a case of betting him in and getting him used to the system. Yeah, and I think um, something else that, that Ralph said as well, um, obviously you mentioned there that he's a left-sided centre-back and that is Bednarak's position. Um, mm. So... Um, I think he's going to be the one that's under under threat. Um, Ralph was saying that as far as Salas is concerned, he's a strong defender. He's calm with the ball, which is something that is important in our team. And he has good speed too. Um, and I think uh, Jack Stevens is, is very good on the ball. Um, and if we can have someone of Salas who's equally as good, if not better on the ball as well, that, that really frees up, I think, um, Ralph's system and, and allows us to play... Mm. Um, really nicely out from the back. Not saying that Bednarak's particularly particularly poor on the ball, um, but that's something that Ralph's earmarked, I think, from Salasu in terms of he's really he's calm on the ball, um, and hopefully we can start cutting out some of the mistakes that that have plagued us a little bit over the last mm. season. Definitely, but I mean, I don't think there's anything stopping Bednarak potentially moving to a right side at centre back. I think obviously that that's Jack Stevens' spot, but Bednarak is you know I think he's right footed and he's very both footed, so. I wouldn't say that Jack Stevens has got that spot locked down, so we shall see. Yeah. Um, final bit on Salasu. He's out of quarantine this week, um, so I think the plan is to start him training with the first team um, as of this week. Um, so, yeah, good to get him in early um, uh, ahead of the new season. And, and the same with, with Walker Peters. I uh, wanted to touch on that transfer. Great news to get him in early. Obviously, good news as well that the Hoiberg saga is over because the sooner we can get these things these things tidied up, um, the better in terms of in terms of betting the, the team together ahead of the new season. And hopefully, it means we've got a bit of time to work out what we want to do uh, in terms of a Hoiberg replacement. I mean, we've chatted about Walker Peters a lot. Great signing for us, isn't it? I think I think that's that's all we can say really. Twelve million pounds, a good deal. Yeah, I mean, Ralph said that that was a 
position that he needed to improve. And I think every Saints fan would agree. We've got Jan Valerie there, who's, you know, he's got his qualities, but I don't think he's a Premier League right back just yet. He definitely gets exposed a little bit. So signing Walker Peters, I think, one, he's a brilliant right back, but two, he makes other players better. And I think we've spoken about what he does to Stuart Armstrong and he just allows Stuart Armstrong to come a little bit more central and have a bit more of an impact on the game. So I think in, you know, he's, he's a brilliant player to bring into the squad. And like you said, it's great to get it in early so he can, you know, get that full pre-season. Yeah, I mean, just taking the two deals as one there, I think as Saints fans, we can be very, very happy with the business that's been done so far. I mean, defence was our weakness last season. Um, uh, and right back in particular. So to get Walker Peters in is fantastic. And, and to get an extra mm. centre back in um, is great too. Yeah, I mean, we've definitely we've picked those positions as ones that we need to strengthen. It's, uh, you know, it's definitely a centre midfielder now that we need to look at and potentially other parts of the squad. But centre midfielder has to be priority, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, on Hon Hoiberg's departure, um, I wanted to get your thoughts really on on yeah on his his legacy at Southampton really um, one of our youngest captains if not our youngest captain um, he had some big moments in a Saint sh- Saint shirt we've had players leave the club um, in recent seasons and they've left under a cloud now for some people mm. Hoiberg has left under a bit of a cloud as well uh, mm. I wanted to get your your opinion on his time at Saints how would you sum up Hoiberg's career at Southampton and how do you think uh, he handled the manner of his departure? Well, I mean, we signed him in 2016 and it was Puel that was the manager at the time and he was 20 and I think that's easy to forget that he was 20 because he'd come from Bayern, he'd already played at Schalke and he played at a number of clubs in Denmark. So a very, very young player, but with lots of experience. Um, But I look at those those three seasons from 16, 17 to 18, 19 as, as you know, years devoid of any real quality. Apart from the League Cup final, I think they, I think they were pretty poor seasons in general. But Hoiberg, for me, is someone that consistently played at a decent level and you know, can take some credit. Formed and it looked like he genuinely cared. There were yeah. some players, we could list them off, but um, you know, it looked like mercenaries didn't they they were just playing for their next move really but Hoiberg genuinely looked like he cared um, and it, yeah difficult few seasons under Puel and Pellegrino but he was made captain at 23 and I just think that shows how much of an impact he had on that dressing room and how respected he is in that dressing room a mm-hmm. um, few memorable moments for me would be the FA Cup quarterfinal goal away at Wigan in front of the away end we won 2-0 and that sent us to Wembley I think Cedric scored the second but yeah that was a big big goal he got the goal away at Palace in the, I think it was an injury time, 2-0 win and a couple of goals against Brighton, which is always decent. But that, the one that I particularly remember is the screamer at home where he put it in the bottom corner. No, I was just going to say, I mean, he, his finishing and his shooting generally was abysmal, but it was, that Brighton one was, was definitely one of his best goals. <laughs> Yeah, it did turn into a bit of a joke, didn't it? When he got the ball about 30 yards out, <laughs> just knowing what, what's going to happen. But um, uh, I'd, I'd, in terms of him leaving, I don't think any Saints fans can complain with the way that he's handled the situation, especially, like you said, consider, considering the previous situations that we've had with uh, other players. But I just think he's a very driven player, okay. personally. He's always 100% committed to the club, but he's very driven personally. And I think... No one expected him to sign from Bayern Munich and be a Southampton player for the rest of his career. 
I was looking at his previous clubs. He moved from Copenhagen to Bromby as a youth team player, and apparently that's the equivalent of a, you know, a Southampton Portsmouth move. So I don't think he's got any real problems in, you know, following his personal goals to to that extent. But mm. um, he's horny for trophies. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> Well, I'm not really sure Spurs is the club that's going <laughs> to That is a fantastic, that. fantastic quote. When you sent that to me, I think it was from a Guardian article a few years yeah. ago. I was just like, yeah, exactly. If you're horny for trophies and you're going to, uh, you're going to Tottenham, well, I don't think they've won since 2008, Carling Cup. Um, yeah, it might, <laughs> it might not be the best. So do you think that we need to replace Hoiberg? I know we've spoken about Harrison Reid and Ola Romeo in the past, but... Do you think they can fill his boots or do you think we need to dip into the transfer market? I think we definitely need to we need to uh we need to replace him. Um I'm not hundred percent convinced that Harrison Reed is the person to do that. I think he had a fantastic season by all accounts at Fulham. Um I don't think that he's the person to come in and we can one hundred percent say that he is uh of the quality to step inside along uh, along with James Ward Prowse and be that Hoiberg replacement. I think he could be a fantastic squad player for us. The problem is that he doesn't want to be a squad player, which is well within his rights. He wants first-team football, um, and whether that's at Fulham or elsewhere, he's probably more likely to get guarantees of that by leaving Southampton. Now, if he's happy to come in and fight for a, fight for a place and prove himself as a first-team player for Saints, then I think there's definitely a role for him there. Um, otherwise, I, I'd like to see us go out and, and spend some money uh, on a replacement Um the fee for Hoiberg was, it sounds like it was around 15 million rising to closer to 20 with, with add-ons. Um, considering he's got one year left on his contract and Spurs were really the only destination, it sounds like. I know Everton were interested in him, but, but it sounds like Hoiberg only ever wanted to move to Tottenham. Um, mm. That put us in a bit of a, a, bit of a tricky situation. Um, on Hoiberg, I'd just like to say that I, I agree with you uh, 100%. Uh, some of those teams that we were putting out um, when he was uh, when he was playing for us, were dreadful, and he put in some fantastic performances, and at, and at times held the team together. Really, um, in that mm. central midfield, uh, we came perilously close to relegation, um, and he was one of the few players to come out with with any credit whatsoever. Um, I also just wanted to, to add that as well. Um, I don't think he handled it particularly badly the way that he's gone about getting this move. We've had some people that have handled it uh, shockingly. Um, but you've only got to look at, I saw that Lyle Taylor moved to, uh, to Forest um, this week and he was at Charlton. They were, prior to lockdown, they were trapped in a relegation battle. He's their top scorer. And in an effort to get a move, refused to play after football restarted um, and Charlton ended up going down. So, I mean, imagine as a Charlton fan how you'd feel there to lose your top scorer because he's, he wants to protect himself because he's 30 years old, he's a striker, he wants to move to a top championship team. I mean, that's his personal ambition. Hoiberg could have quite easily come out and said that he wasn't going to play those final nine games of the season um, because he wanted to join Tottenham. That could, that could have happened. It didn't. He was stripped of the captaincy because he did come out publicly and say he wanted to move, but he was mm. happy to play on. And I think that's a credit to him. Um, he was re- reduced to, uh, to a bench role and, and came on a few times um, early on, kind of in those in those final nine games. And by the end, he was completely out of the team. But he was still available. And I think that speaks to his character as a person that will always make themselves available and will always give 100% for the team. I think Tottenham fans maybe have got a little bit too excited with the player they've got. Like he does have flaws. 
but one of them is is definitely not his commitment to the team and they've got someone in there that's going to fight in in central midfield so um yeah i think hoiberg leaves us uh, i i wish him well um and i think he he'll go on to be a success at tottenham i think i think he's a very jose Mourinho sort of player and i think he'll make their midfield better yeah, everyone talks about his coachability and how yeah. you know how he's 100% dedicated and stuff. And I think Mourinho will absolutely love that in a player. But I think we were just lucky in those in those re- remaining nine games to have someone like Romeo that stepped in and performed so well. Yeah, and I don't know if I don't know if you've seen his holiday photos, but he's just out while other players are on yachts in the south mm-hmm. of France, spending millions of pounds. He's just sat with his dog with a pair of Crocs in the New Forest. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Um, one other deal I wanted to touch on, Saints announced uh, the signing of uh, a highly rated academy prospect, Luke Pierce from, from Warsaw. Um, and he'd been playing for, uh, I think he's 16, he'd been playing up for their under-23s um, and made the bench a few times for the Warsaw first team. Um, nothing really to add to this, other than just to say that it's encouraging that we're signing um, what seems to be some of the best young players from around from around uh, the UK and with Salisu as well around Europe. Um, it's definitely something that we as a club have prided ourselves on. So mm. good to see, I think, isn't it? That, that our Category 1 academy status is paying off by attracting these these top young teenage players. Definitely. That's what you want to see, isn't it? You want to see the best talent around around the UK being attracted to come play football at Southampton. But very, very quickly, just going back on that centre midfield spot that we were talking about, Hoiberg. Yep. Another rumour that's just popped up this weekend is is in Cham. I saw him getting linked again with with Southampton. I think that is an interesting one that we definitely need to keep an eye on because obviously we spoke to the guys at the 90 Minute Cynic who spoke very, very highly of him. Um, you know, I was having a look at Smarter Scout, the tool that you, that you showed me, which uh, obviously shows the different attributes of different players around, around Europe and around the world. And Hoiberg, what he excels in is his defensive quality, his ball recoveries, his disrupting moves and things like that. I don't think that's the player in Cham is, but yeah. these rumours these rumors aren't going away. And I think Southampton, there obviously is something in that, um, you know, maybe looking at getting a ch- in Cham in. Yeah, one to keep an eye on for sure. And if mm. listeners are interested in what type of player in Cham is, then yeah, as you said, Jack, we spoke to the Celtic podcast, 90 Minute Cynic, and they gave us a very detailed description of the player. That he has been for them and, and potentially what he would bring to Saints. And, and it's much more, like you said, much more offensive rather than kind yeah. of Hoiberg's defensive qualities. Exactly. Um, and on the academy uh, news, I just wanted to touch on Radhi Jahidi, uh, who played a big role, obviously, in bringing through lots of our young players in recent seasons. Um, Obafemi, Valerie, um, Voikins. He was, as the under-23s manager, he, he played a big role in, in bringing up um, lots of the talented players to the Southampton first team. He's obviously now at Hartford Athletic. He's someone else that we spoke to earlier um, on our podcast journey. So we've got an interview with, with Raddy uh, during lockdown. He's doing a fantastic job at Hartford Athletic. They finished last season second bottom of the uh, USL, which is the division below MLS. Um, there's no promotion or relegation between the two, but it's the kind of it's the second division of American football. Uh, Hartford was second bottom last season. Um, it's they've they've kind of it's slightly different at the moment. The season's restarted and they've split the teams into groups and kind of doing like a World Cup uh, round robin tournament. But Hartford at the top of their group, they've played six games, they've won five, lost one. Um, so so great to see Riley doing doing a brilliant job there. Tyreek Johnson is also on loan um, from Saints at Hartford with Riley. 
he scored uh, at least one goal I've seen, um, maybe more. Um, but fantastic to see Riley doing uh, a great job because when we spoke to him, it was a tricky start to his senior managerial career. I mean, he was just about to, to manage his first game at Hartford and, and, and the lockdown happened. And so he had a three months or so to, to prepare himself um, and obviously difficulties with training with his new players and everything. But it sounds like they've hit the ground running and, and turned turn themselves around from a, from a struggling team to, to one that will be competing for the trophy at the end of the season. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, who knows, our little chat with him could have inspired the turnaround. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, it'd be great <laughs> to catch up with him again, actually, at the end of the season. Um, because, yeah, there's lots of interesting stuff going on. This is the first step on his senior managerial journey. He's obviously got big ambitions. Um, he didn't say as much, but I'm sure he wants to manage in the Premier League um, and potentially manage his country as well, Tunisia. I know that he's spoken before about that being an ambition of his. So he started um, he started brilliantly. So we'll, we'll keep a close eye on that. Um, mm-hmm. Back to transfers. Something else that popped up this weekend uh, was Michael Obafemi. Um, and you, you alerted me to this. He's been linked with Aston Villa and West Brom. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I saw... It's a report in the Sun, which obviously maybe you have to take with a pinch of salt. The, the how truthful it is, but he's he's been linked with a transfer, ten million pounds quoted to, as you said, Villa and West Brom. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are on this. I wouldn't, I wouldn't get rid of Obafemi. I think, well, he signed a new deal in February two thousand nineteen, which was a three and a half year deal, and he made twenty five appearances last season. And that to me is not a sign of a fringe player. That you know. Hassan Hootel doesn't have any faith in. That's someone that Hassan Hootel trusts. So I would be very, very surprised if we did, did get rid. Having said that, £10 million is not, mm. not bad money for someone that you know, has scored a few goals but is yet to really, really prove himself. Yeah, I think there'll be people that will be saying, take that, if that is on the table from Villa and West Brom. I mean, my, my thoughts on it are, he's still a young player. He has shown he's got attributes that, that could turn him into a very, very useful Premier League player. I don't think mm. he's quite there yet. But for us, he is... Striker is, a, is an area of the squad that where I think we're actually really, really well set. And I don't see the value of, of selling him for just to get £10 million in. Um, that would leave us with Adams, Ings and Shane Long. Um, and you'd need a, you'd need a fourth option. Um and I don't know, I can't, I, that's not coming from the academy, it seems, at the moment. So that would mean we'd have to go back into the transfer market. I wouldn't want to go into the season with just three strikers. Um, obviously, Danny Ings was, was brilliant last season, but he's had injury problems before. And obviously, touch wood that they don't come back. But you don't want to leave yourself short. Um, and Che Adams is firing now, but he, he, he did go months and months and months without a goal. So Obafemi scored some big goals for us last season. I don't see any benefit really uh, of getting rid of him um, as, as a very, very young striker that's, that's shown something in the Premier League. Um, and Hassan, who, as you've said before, I think on previous podcasts, clearly sees something in him that he likes. Um, open-minded is the word that Hassan Hutu likes to use. And I think he's used that several times about uh, Obafemi in terms of his ability to coach him and to improve him. So, yeah, I'd be surprised if we, if we let him go. I agree. I think that's a good point you make about um, the striking options that we've got. I put a little story out on our Instagram saying, do you have any questions for this podcast? And I got, did get a question in from Adam saying, what do we do if Ings picks up a long-term injury? Yeah. I mean, 
in yeah. one word we panic but yeah huge um, panic stations huge panic stations but of course if we're getting rid of players like Oberfemi and we're saying we've got Ings Adams and Long and then God forbid touch wood Ings does get injured we are looking very very short going forward yeah I just think strikers is, is a strength for us and there's why we why we can it um We've mm. we've improved our weaknesses, which are at the back. Um, we know we're good going forward, so we want to try and we want to try and improve our team uh, and push ourselves into a top ten position. And I don't think you do that by weakening your squad. Um, yeah. So no, I'm I'm against that. Um, any other part of the team that you think we need to strengthen after we sign right back? We sign a centre back. Um, it seems like centre midfield is the is the logical next position. But is there any other positions that you potentially could look at our squad and think, you know what, we're a little bit short here. I wouldn't be surprised if Saints moved for a new... I mean, left-back, mm. I think, is something you've thrown out in the past. Is that is that something that you still feel? Yeah, it's just when, when I look at squad and Ryan Burchin was brilliant, brilliant last season, but he's in his, into his 30s now. And I think it's encouraging that Jake Vokin's got a new contract. So he's obviously impressing in training and he's impressed a few times when he got brought into the first season last first team last season and he even scored, I think it was in the FA Cup. But I just fear, you know, Bertrand's, as I said, getting into the last parts of his career. If he picked up an injury and we're playing Jake Vokin's at left back, that might leave us a little bit inexperienced um, in that position. So I'm just... You know, I'm I'm very hopeful that Vokin's ready for the first team, but that's one area which I think maybe another relatively experienced left back as covered to Bertrand might be a sensible option. Yeah, I mean Vokin's I think the thing with him is he's very good going forward. I think Ralph's had questions over whether he's ready defensively to play at a Premier League level. Um mm. so we we haven't really seen enough of him to be able to comment on that. He sees him every every day in training. Um so he's never been out on loan, which I thought is interesting. He's only 20. Yeah, never been on loan. Signed a new contract recently. I think they do rate him very, very highly um, because they've kept him around the first team, which is usually a sign that they see him as, a, as, as having a key role um, as a backup to, to Bertram. But like you said, maybe there is uh, the, the option if there's someone available to bring them in as a bit of cover. I would say that potentially, I do not want to see this, but Walker Peters, I think, probably has some versatility um, mm. in the fullback positions, um, which would probably mean that Valerie would come back in at right back if Walker Peters went to the left if we were covering an injury. Um, but I think for now, um, it would be I'd be happy if we went into the season with Vokins as our as our backup. Um, but I can see I can take your point that left back is is looking a little bit thin compared to the rest of the squad. But I think that's, that's because we're in a pretty good position, really. Centre midfield is the, is the one where we need, we need another body in there and a, and, and a, and a first-team yeah. player. Um, but otherwise, I think we're looking pretty good. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'd love to see Vokins come in and play a little bit more next season. Yeah. And I think that's a good point you make about him not going out on loan because, yeah, like you said, they've obviously got a, they obviously see yeah. something in him. Yeah. I just think if, you, if I see a player and... Like I'm on their Wikipedia page, and they've been every everywhere on loan. To me, that just tells me that the parent club is doesn't really see them as a first team option. Because otherwise, well, an example. It. Yeah. Sorry, an example could be Jack Stevens. I mean, I know he's yeah. he's, uh, he's he's been brilliant for us recently, but he was on loan at Swindon and Coventry and Middlesbrough all over the place. And I think 
we did have brilliant centre-backs at the time, but uh, I don't think Southampton were massively convinced in his ability to be a first-team player. Obviously, he's proved it now. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Relegated teams. We've, um, well, I was just about to mention there that the goalkeeper situation at Saints um, forced us back. We've got Gunn and McCarthy, McCarthy being our number one. Um, relegated teams... There's been a bit of talk about who's going to be raiding them for their best players. It sounds like Aaron Ramsdale, Bournemouth goalkeeper, is going to Sheffield United for £18.5 million. Is there anybody else that you think Saints could potentially have a look at um, and get a bargain? I don't think £18.5 million is a bargain for Ramsdale, but um, if you can pick up someone cheap that's been relegated from from Bournemouth, Watford or or Norwich, anyone there that that captured? Caught your eye over the last season? I mean, there are a few, but I just don't think they're realistic for Southampton because these clubs do demand a lot of money. As we yeah. saw, as we've seen with Ramsdale, £18.5 million for him is a lot of money. But just in terms of actual playing ability, not, not looking at the, uh, the transfer fee, I think Buendia for Norwich was a brilliant midfielder. And I think he is that kind of, you know, very busy midfielder that would complement Ward Prowse because he's you know, breaks up play and he's very good at intercepting the ball and winning the ball back. So I wouldn't be surprised if he got a move back to the Premier League. For Watford, again, another centre midfielder, Decore, different kind of midfielder, but very, very big presence, great on the ball. And again, he'd be a different kind of partner to Ward Prowse, but I think he would be decent. Obviously, Saar is being linked with a lot of big clubs. Um, definitely, definitely out of our prize budget, but he looks like a very exciting player. And then Bournemouth... <laughs> I'm not really sure too much about Bournemouth. I think David Brooks, he had that the season before last year, was a very good player. And I think he would be someone that would maybe suit in a Hassan Hootel team. That one mm. of those one of those left midfield or right midfield positions that Armstrong and Redmond occupy. But um apart get, from that I get Will Will Smallbone vibes from him actually. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But um yeah, as I said, I think they're all very unrealistic. But there's definitely a few players in there that I wouldn't be surprised if they're back in the Premier League next season. Yeah. Uh, finally, we just wanted to touch on the story that was in the mail, I think this morning, or perhaps last night, um, on our sponsor, LD Sports, the Chinese company that nobody is really sure what on <laughs> earth they do. Um, it sounds like they're putting the plug on the sponsorship agreement they've got with Saints. I think it was worth £22 million over three years. Biggest shirt deal in Saints history. Uh was was announced last season um, and everyone was a bit like, who the hell are they? Went on their website. They were, didn't even have a website. They weren't even a real company yet. Um, so there was like big question marks at the time about who this firm was um, and what they did. And we were told that they were a Chinese media sports entertainment app something along those mm. lines. Still not 100% sure. Um, but the Mail are reporting that they had a break clause in their three-year deal and they activated it this summer after one year. Um, it gives a few possible reasons, obviously COVID being one of them and the uncertainty, um, but also talks about relations between China and the UK being a bit fraught and that having an impact. Um, yeah, I mean... Very, very strange situation. I think when the deal was first announced, we were a bit like, what on earth is this uh, company and who, who are these sponsors? Um, so so where do you think this leaves Saints? Yeah, it was a weird one. It was a weird one. Waking up this morning and just 
having a look at Twitter and seeing this news, I wasn't expecting, but um, it's obviously not ideal timing because that's, you know, that's two years worth of sponsorship that Southampton would have had in their budget, I can imagine. And to have a potential £50 million or whatever it is pulled pulled from you is, is obviously going to impact a lot of things, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not too sure how sponsorship works. I would hope that we'd be able to get in another sponsor. I can imagine that it probably wouldn't be at that level because as you said that was the most lucrative in Southampton's history um so yeah it's it's not ideal considering the timing but what an awful looking sponsor was in the front of the shirts so if I can get I think they'd probably make up the money in shirt sales if they just took all the sponsor off <laughs> it is it's very I mean it, people like the shirt but the, uh, the sponsor is very very ugly um Saints would have to do something I'm sure with people that have bought the new definitely strips yeah. and and replacing them out I and mean, if they do end up changing a sponsor the story makes it seem like saints have known about this for a while now i don't know whether that's a couple of weeks or a month or so and they've been working behind the scenes to try and find a new sponsor so maybe there's this story has come out today obviously maybe we'll hear something over the next week or so in terms of an announcement of of what on earth is going on very very strange though I do kind of feel like we set ourselves up for it a little bit by uh, taking this on. Now, I'm sure there was links with with our Chinese owner. um, But when you get into business with a company that's not even started uh, trading and they give you, well, they commit to giving you 22 million pounds, that should send alarm bells ringing a little bit. And and I'm sure Mm. they did their due diligence and everything, but it doesn't sound the most straightforward uh, partnership from the very get-go so to, to find out now that after a year later they're pulling the plug it doesn't really surprise me um, but obviously as you said not ideal to lose that amount of money um, especially with everything that's been going on over the last three months um, with wage cuts and, and and budgets being stretched due to coronavirus so um, we shall wait and see uh, on that one I think yeah, and I think they're, they're also the sponsor of La Liga side, Espanyol. And I think there's a similar situation going on over there. So it's not just Southampton, but um, mm. yeah, really, really strange situation. Hopefully we could just... Are Draper Tools still going? <laughs> I'm not sure, actually. It'd be nice to get back on the So yeah, that, that wraps up our agenda for this week. Uh, thank you very much for listening. And Jack, thank you for joining me. Um, I think next week we'll we'll start getting into uh, looking ahead to the new season. Um, pre-season should be kicking off pretty soon. I think the players are returning to training um, and we might have some, some pre-season games to talk about as the next few weeks go on. I think the Premier League of Pencil in September 12th is the first weekend. Um, for the new campaign so it's going to be around the co- it's, it's, it's around the corner and it's and it's approaching very very rapidly so um yeah not much uh, not much of a break for for the saints boys as you said lots of them are on holiday at the moment and i think southampton tweeted out something kind of like something about the last the last days of um of relaxation or something like that before they get back mm. into action yeah i mean it's feels like the season has just finished doesn't it and we're already we're already we're already planning next season but i'm looking forward to seeing a few pre-season games and seeing salisu in action yeah definitely well thank you for joining me and again yep yeah, thanks for listening we'll be back next monday uh with episode 22 until then see you later see ya